Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, with your hosts, Jill Whalen and Rick Stevens. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. Hello there, everyone, and welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Joseph Whalen, and I'm going to be your host for the next hour. This is episode 119 of the Canadians Connection Podcast, and I'm pleased to be joined in studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, the president of Rocket Sports Media, Mr. Rick Stevens. Rick, how are you doing today, my friend? I'm doing great, and let me just say from the outset... You sound great this week. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I should I should say that uh, I was not hosting the podcast in an empty tunnel last week. No? Uh, we were having some technical difficulties, unfortunately, that made me sound like I was hosting the podcast uh. in an empty tunnel. But I was, in fact, in my basement. Uh, but yeah, the uh, the sound wasn't great last week. I won't say that it is great. This week, uh, it is just normal because the sound of my voice, I don't think, is is good or great. It's normal. Uh, (laughs) But, Rick, I'm pleased to be here with you and pleased to be sounding much better than I did last week. And we have a real live regular season hockey to talk about. And uh, we haven't had that. Uh, since our uh, episode 75, this is episode 119. <laughs> we haven't had that to talk about since episode 75, going back to our March 14th uh, show. That is, uh, wow. <laughs> that <laughs> that broke my brain, Rick. Um, that Yeah, we have not had this for a while, and it's going to feel weird having what we have, a, a traditional episode of the Canadians Connection, like we have done for the vast majority of these 119 episodes, which is have actual real life hockey games to talk about, regular season hockey games to talk about, uh, and 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 analyze, and and that is going to be uh, familiar but strange because, as you said, it has been quite a while since we've done that. Ten months, <laughs> ten months, ten months, and in our third segment, we're just going to briefly. I'm going to go through yeah. uh, our uh, what we talked about on uh, episode 75, and and I I was uh, fascinated by what the the kinds of things we were talking about ten months ago, and yeah. how how we progressed. But how qu- how quickly? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. But we have an awful lot to talk about today. Uh, we real yeah. hockey, like we we said, and uh, and previewing some uh, some games coming up, some important games as uh, the Canadians yep. move in uh, beyond game one of their season. Absolutely. So yeah, Rick, we are going to be discussing their performance in game one and how it all shook out in just a couple of moments from now. We should say in segment number two, oh, oh boy, boy. Yeah. do we ever have a big topic this week? Uh, John Tortorella confirming 
that center Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. Uh, we are going to be giving our reactions to that. Nick Kiprios tying Pierre-Luc Dubois to the Montreal Canadiens, the first, the preferred destination of Pierre-Luc Dubois being the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, and the reported ask, perhaps being around Nick Suzuki. Um, so we're going to be getting into all of that uh, in segment two. The official definition yeah. of the word pounce uh, changed yeah. this week because uh, <laughs> it was Canadians fans on social media that pounced on this story. Yeah, it, it didn't. Listen, if Pierre-Luc Dubois wanted out of Columbus, that would be a story in and of itself that would grab the attention of Montreal Canadiens fans. Nick Kiprios poured some gasoline on the fire there, mm -hmm. and boy, oh boy, did it ever uh, explode on Twitter. So we will be getting to that in segment two. Rick, we will start with some good old-fashioned scoring highlights like we used to do every week here on the Canadiens Connection podcast. The Canadiens started their season on Wednesday night in Toronto, a familiar territory for them where they played in the bubble uh, for the playoffs, but they got their season underway and they actually got out to a really good start with Nick Suzuki scoring a power play goal from a very tough angle off of a rebound from a Jeff Petrie point shot that Jonathan Drouin deflected off the post and Nick Suzuki, uh, the beneficiary of, of that nice fortunate bounce to him, but he had to do a lot of work to get that in the back of the net. It was a very tough angle. Uh, later on, uh, William Nylander scored with a point shot. There were layers of screening. Carey Price couldn't see a thing, uh, and that resulted in a 1-1 game. But before the period ended, Josh Anderson beat Freddie Anderson clean with a great shot off of a set play after Nick Suzuki won the faceoff. Jonathan Duran with the pass, and you had Josh Anderson with the finish to give the Canadians a 2-1 lead at the end of one. Start of the second period, uh, the Canadians come out, and uh, boy, they, they they played really well five on five. And Nick and uh, I should say Alexander Romanov was a star in this game, and it was because of some great outlet breakout passes that he made. One of which to Thomas Tatar, who went all alone on a breakaway, beat Freddie Anderson five hole, and uh, yeah, it was a beautiful pass, tape to tape, on uh, on Tatar's stick, and uh, the Leafs with a very poor line change right there. But result is uh, the result of that. 3-1 Montreal. Then you have Michael uh, William Nylander's second goal of the game with a perfectly placed wrister from the dot to the right of Carey Price. Beat him glove side. Doesn't get any more perfect than that shot. And then it's 3-3 Toronto because the Montreal Canadiens discipline let them down a little bit. Consecutive mm -hmm. penalties from Nick Suzuki and Shea Weber resulted in an extended five-on-three, basically a full two-minute five-on-three power play. And you have John Tavares off of a nice pass from Mitch Marner, tipping it past Carey Price to tie the game at three. You head to the third period, and Josh Anderson was at it again. He scored his second of the night, uses his speed and power to get around John Tavares, and it squeaks through Freddie Anderson, who um, had a bit of an up-and-down night between the pipes for the Leafs. Uh, but it wasn't over at that. Uh, the Leafs tied it again at 4-4. Jimmy VC, the beneficiary of a fortunate bounce off the official after Joanne tried to ring it around to Jeff Petrie. Uh, it did not get there, and uh, Jimmy VC had a bit of a tap in there uh, for it to tie the game at four. And that was the end of regulation, four to four. 
In overtime, the Canadians had some opportunities. Philip Deneau had a breakaway. Tyler Toffoli had a one-timer that Freddie Anderson read. Um, they didn't make good on their chances, and then the Toronto Maple Leafs got a two-on-one with John Tavares and Morgan Riley. Tavares to Riley, game-winning goal, 5-4. The Leafs win in overtime. Uh, so, Rick, the Canadians get a point out of that game. Obviously not the desired result, especially after they played so well 5-on-5. Five five. We'll be getting into our reactions to that game and everything surrounding it in just a little bit. But yeah, it's uh, it's the, uh, an unfortunate start to the season given the Canadians played so well. Yeah. As you said, we'll, we'll get to our uh, reflections on that. I, I thought uh, having not done um, uh, highlights for, Oh, 10 months, you did pretty well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, listen, there, it's you know? going to be some growing pains a little bit. There's going to be a little <laughs> bit of getting used to these, these sort of recaps again. And, and of like course, falling off a bike. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And of course, usually there are more games to talk about. So there might be a little bit more of a Cliff Notes version the next time because there's just going to be that many games to talk about. But Rick, uh, we should get into some roster news that happened earlier this week. And uh, one thing that that I I was surprised by, I don't know if I should have been surprised by it. uh, Noah Juleson was placed on waivers and claimed by the Florida Panthers. Um, Every other player the Canadians put on waivers cleared. Noah Juleson was claimed by the Florida Panthers, and there is a Canadians connection there. There is uh, several, actually. Um, yes. You have uh, <laughs> uh, Shane Churla, who moved in the offseason to, uh, to Florida uh, to take over their scouting um, uh, staff. Uh, Rick Dudley, um, a former uh, assistant or advisor to Mark Bergevin, um, and and uh, if Shane was involved in the drafting of um, uh, Noah Jolson, it would have been uh, Rick Dudley who would have seen him play the most um, uh, in, in his pro career. Uh, but there's also Blake Jeffrey on, a uh, former player yeah. uh, with the Canadians who uh, is on the scouting staff there. So uh, they would be well-versed in uh, Noah Jolson. Um, and, um, and they, they saw the potential in this young defenseman, you know, Noah Juleson, ton of talent, uh, was expected to be kind of a stalwart on the, uh, the, probably the second pairing for the Canadians on the right side at, at some point in his career. Um, and, uh, uh ran into some injury issues and, yeah. and, uh, really unfortunate, um, because he was he was one who was progressing quite uh, quite steadily and um, and so it's 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 been a while. It was difficult for the Canadians because they had to choose to either uh, keep him on the roster uh, as the as the extra defenseman. Instead, Victor Meta has been uh, given that role. Um, and uh, to put him even on the taxi squad required waivers, and uh, that's where uh, he was targeted by Florida. They obviously had him in their sights all along and, uh, and picked him up. Now, um, having said that, uh, Florida must have really wanted him because uh, uh, he's not available to the Panthers right away. He has to go through quarantine. He's crossing yes. the border. Yeah. And uh, for now, in their announced roster, He's been given a non-roster spot until all of that um, all of that administrative stuff happens. Uh, but then we'll see. There's still an outside chance, uh, outside chance that he could rebound back to the Canadians. But yeah, we'll, 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 yeah rather than we explain that, that, yeah, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's let's see what happens. Uh, 
I, our hope is that uh, he gets his his career back on track. Yeah, he's a good kid. He's a good young defenseman. Uh, lots and lots of of potential, and uh, we want to see him do well. And he was trending in that direction until that really unfortunate uh, game where he took two shots to the head. Right, like that was yep. just a freak freak accident on two different occasions in the same game. So. Uh, yeah, you just hope that, yeah, he can rebound and get his career back on track to where it was and look looked like it was progressing towards him being a very good defenseman in this league. So that's all that you hope uh, for a guy like Noah Juleson. Uh, but, Rick, with that, of course, I said everyone else that was put on waivers cleared for the Montreal Canadiens. So they have five members of their six-player taxi squad, and that includes Michael Frolik, Corey Perry, Ryan Paling, Kale Fleury, and Charlie Lindgren. So... Um, it's, it's, you've seen, um, since that game Wednesday against the Leafs, Jake Evans was sent down to the taxi squad. And just before we went on the air today, recalled again, and you touched on this, this is going to be some of the day-to-day cap management that will be taking place. Sort of these paper transactions, just, just to do them to, uh, give yourself some sort of cap relief. That's right. Uh, that taxi squad, of course, uh, in place so that, in case there are uh, COVID issues that uh, a player is uh, this taxi squad traveling with with uh, the Canadians and, and they're available to be tapped. Uh, but it's also, uh, that, that would be for the, the, the five persons on the, uh, five players on the taxi squad. And I guess the only one um, that was probably in danger of being claimed was uh, Corey Perry. And there was some uh, breath yes, holding yeah. about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, um, the other 30 teams had uh, an awful long time to to decide whether they wanted to sign unrestricted free agent Corey Perry, and they didn't. So uh, maybe that was a, a bit of a tell there. Um, but all of those players available, um, that sixth spot uh, was going to be used uh, solely for uh, cap accrual to, to try to build up. You know, the Canadians are pretty tight to the cap to try and build up some money. So sending um, Evans, uh, you have a, a, a day's relief of, of his salary off the cap. And the Canadians will continue to do this on off days. Uh, so there's going to be lots of paper transactions. Yeah. <laughs> and as they try to build up a bit of money to eventually... Uh, remember, they have a roster spot uh, available uh, to yeah. eventually add a player to that roster spot, say Corey Perry, uh, so that uh, so that he doesn't have to be on the taxi squad. Yeah, and just so get ready to see a lot of uh, posts from the Montreal Canadiens, lots of press releases about Jake Evans being assigned, mm. somebody being assigned to the taxi squad, uh, just for that cap relief. Uh, but Rick, we'll get back to the Leafs and Habs opening night game. And look, there was a lot to take out of that game, a lot of positives to take out of that game. Uh, the way the Canadians played five on five, they were really, um, they were all over the Leafs for the vast majority of that game. There was obviously, the Leafs are a very talented team. They got their opportunities. Kerry Price made a huge save early, uh, a huge uh, sliding pad save. I believe it was on Mitch Marner, uh, Matthews Marner two on one. And he made a huge save, and then he made a glove save on Joe Thornton. Like, the Leafs got their chances. Let's be clear about that. But it seemed like the Canadians were able to contain them for most of that game, and they actually 
created offense, which was a pleasant surprise, given that we didn't see a whole lot of that last year. <laughs> yeah, that that save by Price, uh, you know, in the first five minutes uh, on Marner was was a great save. There was also a, a pad save, a toe save on Zach Bogosian uh, again yeah. within the, the first five minutes. And that could have changed things. But um, as I said in the, the recap, and you can find the full game recap on uh, allhabs.net of the Leafs-Canadians game, um, the pace was absolutely frantic in the first yeah. five minutes. No <laughs> whistles. The two clubs were flying, and um, it was it was exciting. Now, it wasn't uh, the most structured hockey. It wasn't uh, you know, it was sloppy at times. Uh, but it was it was very offensive and um, it was it, it was entertaining and and uh, a fun game to watch and as you said um, it was nice to see the the Canadians um, score in different ways uh, yeah uh, and uh, Josh Anderson um, oh yeah that that was <laughs> and and um, you know scoring on the power play too so. Yep. Um, I, I think from from that side, uh, it was uh, it, it was a very well played game by the Canadians. The difference is that the Canadians have to work hard. They have to yes, uh, because uh, as a, again, as I said in the recap, the there was there was balance, and we saw a five on five. We saw that from Claude Julian in that he rolled his his first three lines. Um, kind of, uh, you know, they all got pretty much uneven strength, uh, equal ice time, and uh, but the the we saw Toronto, the elite talent, quick strike yeah. offense. Uh, they can they can tie it up quickly or score goals quickly, and they did that to tie up the game, as uh, as we saw. In fact, the the, the Leafs didn't lead uh, the game until uh, the yeah. overtime goal. Yeah, and that's that's going to be a very that's going to be a key for Montreal because I think if you look at all the teams in the Canadian division except for Ottawa, except for Ottawa because the Montreal Canadiens are going to be in tough with the Ottawa Senators because they're going to be playing as hungry as the Montreal Canadiens will need to on a night-to-night basis, but the other teams in this division have elite talent that the Montreal Canadiens just don't have up front, right? They have guys that can put the puck in the back of the net. They have dynamic guys that can create. I mean, Winnipeg has it. Calgary has it. Edmonton, of course, and you're playing the Edmonton Oilers tonight. McDavid and Dreisaitl, they have it. They may not. They might not have the balance. The Canadians have structured this team with balance, and that's something that could come in handy. But, yeah, they are going to need to work harder than their opponent every night and especially against uh, last night and and we're talking about our observations I think if there's an observation to be made about the Toronto Maple Leafs it is that not much has changed in the way listen it's early obviously it's early it's very early and there's going to be mistakes because there was a short camp it wasn't exhibition games to get these guys on their feet to get them you know thinking about playing NHL caliber opponents but the Toronto Maple Leafs they got outworked last night against the Ottawa Senators. The Ottawa Senators are a legit team. DJ Smith is a good coach. And the Maple Leafs, I think, are, are primed to be a team, once again, that when the going gets tough, they don't really show up. <laughs> because, it, listen, they, they got outworked 5-on-5 five five in the Habs game and the Sens game last night. So I think that's something to watch there. But uh, with that said, I think... Overall, when you look at the performance of the Montreal Canadiens, there's reason to believe 
that they can be a playoff team this year. It's early, we know that. But when you look at the way that Alexander Romanov played on the back end, like that is the puck movement that you saw from Alexander Romanov in that game. It wasn't just a Tatar pass. I believe he had one to, to Foley early on in the game. There was a few passes up the ice that that aren't made last year, that you don't have a guy to be able to make that type of pass. So obviously there's going to be a little bit of, of, of a learning curve for Alexander Romanov, but I think his performance last night is the most encouraging thing out of that game against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Well, uh, yeah, it was a game of newcomers, right? Uh, because yeah. we've, and we've talked a lot about it on this podcast about the Canadians' newcomers. And, um, you know, I, I think they, they performed um, with one exception. Uh, they performed yeah. exceptionally well. Romanoff uh, looked poised, looked calm. Um, he, he made some, uh, you know, moves that, that maybe um, you might classify as rookie moves. Yeah, uh, yeah. He, he narrowly escaped <laughs> the way he danced along a, the blue line with that puck. Uh, yeah. Kerfoot gets that <laughs> puck and it's down the, down the ice. Um, there was, there was a, a bit on edge, but as you say, the outlet passes, uh, sliding blocks, um, yeah. the, the, uh, the poise he had was was incredible. Uh, Josh Anderson with the two goals, uh, star of the game for for the Canadians. Uh, he looked great. Um, it it was with the exception of uh, Joel Edmondson, who continues to struggle, and uh, and we saw that. Um, as yeah. I said, um, um, he he just he just doesn't doesn't look like he's. He's uh, getting the the zone defense that that the Canadians want him to play just yet. Uh, wrong position, um, and 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 uh, Romanov had that at times. He was he was roaming his own end, yeah. uh, looking for for a player to cover. And and uh, but but you understand that a little bit more with uh, a lot more with Romanov than Edmondson, Edmondson, a a, a veteran. Um, so, so he struggled a bit, um, and, and, but we also saw that in, in the red white games where, where he had a tough time. Um, the, I, I guess the, you know, we have to remember that the Leafs also, uh, just, um, uh, coming back to that, they had six newcomers in the, their lineup. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know, VC got the, got the goal. Um, and he's a newcomer. Uh, you have uh, much has been made about Joe Thornton uh, yeah. being on that first line. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, he he sat almost all of this. They were resting him uh, yeah. the second period so that he'd be strong. Uh, you know, have enough energy for the third. Um, Hyman was in for uh, Zach Hyman substituted for him in the second period. Um, Simmons had the fight with Sherratt, but beyond that, I I didn't see a whole lot from from Simmons. Zach Bogosian was downright awful. Yeah, um, he yeah. at two kind of needless penalties, and um, uh, I I as far as if it was a, a battle of newcomers, I think the Canadians uh, easily uh, outshone the, uh, the the Leafs newcomers in in this game. Yeah, and I, I think that that's that's fair, and especially because Josh Anderson uh, looked incredible. Um, he was fantastic. Romanoff was fantastic. Uh, Toffoli, even though he didn't score, Toffoli was all around. He was buzzing around the net. He was making things happen. He he had some good opportunities. 
Freddie Anderson stopped them, uh, which uh, was a bit of a rarity, but uh, he did stop them uh, for Tyler DeFoley. Uh, but moving to just the other side of that, because I, I think what's uh, you can go ahead. Well, I, I was just going to one more thing about Romanov. Yeah. And you, you just reminded me of it. Uh, substituting in the place of Edmondson in the last minute. Yeah. Um, that's, that's, that's confidence. That's, uh, yep. that's the coaching staff having confidence. Uh, I don't know if it was Richardson or Julian that made that call, but, uh, keeping Edmondson on the bench when he was brought in to, for that role precisely and tossing out, uh, Romanoff, that, that was, um, and, and, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get to, they said what, but. Uh, I thought Julian did uh, Romanov a bit of a disservice in his uh, media availability yesterday when he said, um, he said, you know, ha- half of, of uh, Romanov's confidence was ignorance because he doesn't know any better that, yeah. that Tavares and Matthews are that good. I, well, one, if, if he's not aware that Matthews and Tavares are that good, that's a fault of the coaching staff. They should make him aware. <laughs> uh, but I, I thought that kind of, that kind of undercut. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I think uh, Romanov was just that good. And he is confident in, in his own ability. Um, but anyway, I, sorry, I, I just, uh, I, I, I thought that, that Romanov was, um, we now understand why the the coaching staff and the the development uh, people and everybody has been raving about this guy. Uh, you know, we've 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 played yeah. it over the last few weeks. And just to well, just to tie a bow on it, because we got to the newcomers to tie a bow on this conversation. Just want to talk about a little bit the four four goal uh, where Jonathan Drouin has the puck at the boards. Um, he brings it back in deeper to his own zone and tries to ring it around to Jeff Petrie. And what happens, it hits off the official. The Leafs get that fortunate bounce. It gets out to Jimmy Vesey in front of the net who ties the game. And and I said that that was, I, I didn't care that it hit the official, that it was just a bad play by Jonathan Drouin. And I think that it was, because I think when you look back at the beginning of that sequence, he had Josh Anderson and Nick Suzuki both streaking up the ice that are both right there to support him. Uh, and he elected to bring it back in deeper to his zone. Whether or not he could have got a pass to Anderson or Suzuki, it didn't seem like there was anybody that would be in a position to collect the puck and get a grade A scoring opportunity. Whether or not it gets to either Anderson or Suzuki, it, you're just getting it further away from your net, which is the objective here. You're playing defense. You're trying to get it further away from your net. Joanne brought it in deeper, and it just it, it seemed uh, very needless. And um, listen, he had he had three points in that game, but that was a play that cost the Montreal Canadiens that win. And and that's something that it, it's more of the same with Jonathan Joanne, unfortunately. I want him to be um, vigilant in all areas of the ice. I want him to take care in all areas of the ice. Now, we use the the uh, I use the example of Nick Suzuki threading the needle to get that uh, that goal, uh, basically with with him stationed on the goal line. Yeah, uh, just uh, an incredible shot. Could Jonathan Drouin, as as an offensive sniper, could he do that too? I think he could. I, I, yeah. I, I truly believe he can. So if he, if, 
if he can do that at the on the offensive side of the ice, why can't he do that in the defensive uh, side of the ice? And that's because I think he doesn't care. He does not take the same care, responsibility with his defensive game. Um, and, and, you know, he was aware that there was a uh, official there, as you said, they're part of the game. Uh, yep. it's his responsibility to find another option. Um, and, uh, that's uh, what bothered me just as much was after the game, he took no responsibility for it. Uh, he said, uh, oh, well, that's what happens. Uh, things like that happen. Not my fault. Uh, I want him to take full responsibility for that. Uh, because then that tells me that it bothered him, that he does care about his his uh, play in the defensive zone. Yeah, and, and listen, at the end of the day, if he makes a better play in that moment, then we're just talking about Jonathan Drew. And whether or not you, you think that he had a good effort in that game, we're just talking about the fact that he had three points, right? We're talking about that. We're talking about the Montreal Canadiens winning the game. If he makes a smarter, better play, if he can you know, find it in himself, to do a ring around that isn't right at the official, right? So that's that's part of it too, and it's it's unfortunate to see the lack of accountability there as well with Jonathan Drouin. But but Rick, we'll we'll move on. We'll move on because we do have um, a storyline out of that game that emerged uh, was the belief that star players should have special rules it was i saw it from mike johnson and ray ferraro on twitter uh and and you've pointed out that it was also a player agent jeff jackson who tweeted the nhl doesn't do enough to protect star players this of course uh as you noted to me before the show uh the agent for one austin matthews that's right uh (laughs) that's who jeff jackson is and to read his full tweet, great to see the NHL, great to see NHL hockey back last night. Such amazing athletes, so much speed and skill in the game now. But watching the abuse that star players take is hard to watch. Felt like the 80s with the cross checks in the back, talking about Matthews, and the hacking and slashing. Uh, Matthews got in a couple of uh, cross checks on Sherrod himself. Yeah. Um, the NFL protects quarterbacks. Why don't we? Is the question now? Now, okay, complain about the cross checks, but um, he's setting up a, a bit of a class system here that that certain players should be uh, that uh, certain players should be treated differently than other players. And boy, for me, that's where he really crossed the line. Yeah. That that the NFL has has a uh, has this this. Well, it's it's a position, the quarterback, where they, who they treat differently than everybody else. Now, um, Jeff Jackson's wanting to create a category of rules for star players, in his mind, who are star players, and have them treated differently. And my goodness, that uh, th- I think that's that's absolutely outrageous. Yeah, <laughs> look, there's just there. The game is played that way, and it, it happened both ways. Listen, Ben Chirot and Ben and Wayne Simmons, they had their scrap after some cross-checks, um, and and somehow, I mean, there there was a cross-checking penalty on, on Ben Chirot. When it, it was going both ways, there was there was leeway given by the officials, but then Ben Chirot got a penalty for it. I remember early in the game, John Tavares came at Brendan Gallagher after the whistle. Look, like, there was a lot going on in that game, and... You know, listen, I, I just I don't see there being a need to have these special rules and, and create a class system, as you said. I, I just I don't see that. It just 
It just doesn't make sense to me. It's it's different in football because football is football. Hockey is different. It's it's just it just is. So, yeah. Um, now, <laughs> not they, sure what to make of that. Yeah, um, they got absolutely roasted uh, on yeah. on social media. And uh, Austin Matthews, when he was asked about it, actually walked it back and said he, he wasn't phased by, by it. Uh, but, you know, obviously, maybe privately, he, he had complained to his agent and his agent felt it was his role to go out and, uh, and create special rules for such a special, special player <laughs> as Austin Matthews. I mean, listen, there's a price to pay to occupy that space in front of the net. And if you want to occupy that space and you have to fight for it and... The price Brandon, to pay Gallagher. Some, Brandon Gallagher, yeah. Listen, Brendan Gallagher, you don't see him or Jerry Johansson complaining about Brendan Gallagher getting cross-checked every game. So that's just the way it goes. Um, but we'll move on to uh, they said what this week. And as you alluded to, uh, we were going to be focusing on Alexander Romanoff, who sat down for his first NHL availability on Friday. And um, the first question, I think, is is pretty uh, you know, it's 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 run of the mill for for rookies. Were you excited or were you nervous to play your first NHL game? Uh, I think more excitement uh, because uh, because it's my first game and uh, a little bit nervous, little bit nervous because uh, I don't know what is it like NHL in real life. Uh, but it it was okay. It was good. What is this NHL in real yeah. life? <laughs> I know the game watching from the press box. I did it in the bubble. I know the yeah. video game, but what is this NHL in real life? <laughs> you know, listen, uh, each week we put together this uh, They Said What, and it's a very popular uh, segment that we do. Um, and uh, normally, I mean, there was a lot said and a lot of media uh, availabilities this week, and I put in a mix of players. But because this was... Alexander Romanov's first uh, NHL media availability. Uh, we're going to feature, and they're all short clips. We're going to feature yeah. uh, uh, Alexander Romanov exclusively. Um, you know, I think he he certainly surprised people with his play on the ice, but he surprised a lot of the journalists with how he handled his media availability. Um, his English uh, is 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 pretty good for it is. Uh, yeah. you know. Um, and uh, it, it uh, you know, some of the, the questions had to be re-explained, but um, he uh, he handled it uh, very adeptly. And uh, and as far as as um, you know, you might expect him to be nervous. It's natural to be nervous, but he was he was uh, pretty honest, and he was excited about his uh, first opportunity to play in the NHL. Yeah, and I have to say, yeah, I was I was impressed by his English almost as much as I was by his play against Toronto. So uh, it was it was great to see him uh, as excited as he was. Uh, but things only going to get a little bit more difficult tonight when you face McDavid and Drysdale. And he's asked if he had any feelings about facing those two talented forwards. Yeah, it, it's really good challenge uh, in the start of champion championship like ch- championship. It's really good. I'm so excited to play uh, against them. Really, uh, as they pursue a championship to face the best, um, yeah, it's a really good challenge for him. He he embraces it. And what you don't see um, is uh, when you watch the video, that's the broadest smile he had 
throughout the entire yeah. um, press conference when uh, he said, yes, I'm excited. I'm. Uh, this is a challenge to face those two players. He had a huge smile on his face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it was it was something to see. And I watched the availability before we went on air. And yeah, he is. Yeah, it, it was it was his energy was so refreshing throughout this. And I think we said this about Yasperi Kotkaniemi a couple of years back, too, where he just had this type of infectious energy when he's doing these availabilities that you can't help but smile. But yeah, the, in this spot, too. Yeah. And, and it's great to hear that he's welcoming these challenges on. Right. That's what you want to hear. But uh, moving on, because he was asked, how did he feel about getting the regular shift in your first game and also displacing, as you said, Joel Edmondson in, in, in the latter part of that game? Oh, it was really comfortable uh, to play uh, big time uh, because I was uh, every shift uh, I was in the game. Uh, I'm I'm playing and feeling feeling so good. He's feeling so, good. Yeah, a regular shift. Um, yes, um, he ended up playing 21 minutes and 30 seconds in his first game. Yeah, 21 minutes and 30 seconds. That's more. Then Ben Sherrod at twenty one ten. Wow, <laughs> that, that's that's <laughs> that's just uh, uh, as far as the defensive uh, folks. He was third uh, behind uh, Petrie and Weber. Um, yeah, usual suspects. Right now, that yeah. <laughs> that is incredible. Um, yeah, and he he just felt comfortable. He liked going out there for a regular shift because that kept him in the game, and uh, um, he just uh, you know he got better and better as the game went on. Yeah. And it was, yeah, you could see that there's obviously, as you, you sort of alluded to, there's some, you know, gap issues. There was some times where I think it was him and Kulak on the ice and Matthews had a nice opportunity that he rung off the post. There, there were opportunities that were given up and then he's going to need to adjust. But yeah, he, he got better as the game went on. He got more comfortable. And listen, there's going to be ups and downs, peaks and valleys with a rookie defenseman that just needs to be accepted. But the the highs are high and they're they're fun to watch. So uh, it's good to see that he's he's getting that comfortability. Uh, he's getting comfortable uh, in the NHL. But Rick, we'll move on because uh, he was playing, as I said, alongside Brett Kulak. He was asked about their communication. Oh, we communicated good. Uh, yeah, we would talk with him uh, every time when, when we when we go to the to the rink and. Uh, uh, he really helped me uh, to to communicate with uh, with coaches and Brett Kulak yeah. is a is a really nice guy um, and w we had the opportunities to to talk to him uh, both on and off record uh, when he was with uh, Laval and and uh, uh, just a, a super nice. Uh, down-to-earth hockey guy and you can see uh, him being a very good match for Romanov um, someone who would uh, take him under his wing help him uh, explain things to him translate oh, not translate into Russian but I mean uh, yeah uh, ex explain. explain drills to yeah. him those kinds of things and and uh, uh, it's nice to see that Romanov is is acknowledging uh, the help that he's received from Brett Kulak yeah, and it's also good to see Brett Kulak sort of take on that role because you'd hope that that might give him, you know, I think 
what what happens at least for me and i think for other people is you almost you get better at something if you explain it to other people <laughs> you know so maybe that will give brett kulak the confidence that we saw in the bubble as well right that he that he looked like a, a guy that belonged in the top four maybe that gives him a little bit more confidence and maybe that uh, helps everybody involved uh, but rick alexander romanoff was asked after the game or uh, if he spoke after the game with any one of his family and uh here's what he said yeah i talked uh, with my uh, with my parents and uh, they're really proud uh, proud of me they said that uh, it was a good game good start so they enjoyed the game uh, yeah. his parents did they were proud of him <laughs> and said hey that's a good start uh you know the inference is okay you got more to do uh and yeah. uh, keep it up <laughs> uh, good start and uh i i, I He's just so delightfully uh, <laughs> transparent and honest, and and yeah. uh, I, I enjoyed that that cl- that particular clip about uh, him and his parents. Yeah, I mean they they, they like they like the first point, the first assist, but they're waiting for that first goal. I think they're they're keeping those expectations pretty high for Alex. <laughs> but uh, he was asked after if he had any sort of surprises that that came up in his first game. Uh, I think uh, I think no. Because, uh, maybe maybe it's uh, more faster than in KHL than in Junior World Championship, uh, and uh, IQ level is uh, is more higher. So NHL yeah. hockey, as compared to the KHL, or or his experience in international hockey. Uh, faster and uh, decisions are made uh, uh, at at pace. Uh, you know, there's hockey um, h- higher hockey IQ. Um, yeah. So uh, that was pretty notice- noticeable right away for uh, for the young rookie. Yeah, it's been par for the course for what you'd expect for a guy that's making that sort of a transition. So, um, but yeah, he didn't he didn't look out of place, which was promising. Um, uh, Rick, uh, do, do do we have another question? Pat Hickey. We'll wait. Okay. Pat, see there? Oh. Oh. We're gonna. We're gonna. I'm sorry. We're gonna have to move on. Okay. All right. We'll get back to Pat Hickey later, maybe, uh, or maybe not. Um, so <laughs> we'll move on. Uh, and Romanov was asked, "What was the most difficult part of his first game?" Uh, I think it was the first first shift. Uh, because uh, in the first shift, uh, I I didn't understand where I am. Like uh, it, it was so fast, um, and uh, like uh, I nervous a little bit. But uh, next shift, it's uh, it will be it was better, better, and better. That that uh, you know, it was a whirlwind. Uh, everything yeah. was happening around me. I didn't know where I was. <laughs> um, I, I I think um, you know that might have been the way it it felt. But I went back and watched his his uh, first shift. He was fine. He was fine. He was uh, yeah. He, he, and and as far as getting better and better and better, that's all you want from uh, a young player like that playing their first NHL game. Yeah, if that was the most difficult part of his first game. Then I'm excited to see what comes next exactly. because that was good. That was that was very good for Alexander Romanov. A great debut against the Leafs, uh, as he alluded to, and as we are um, have been alluding to, Edmonton tonight. David and Dreisaitl, it's, I don't know how many minutes he'll see, but uh, against those two particularly, but 
I mean, third highest total ice time amongst defensemen. So it's safe to say that he might see a little bit of them. Uh, <laughs> so, Rick, we'll move on to some hockey notes briefly uh, before we get in uh, to our first break. Uh, but, Rick, a, a little bit of unfortunate news. The NHL reporting 27 players that tested positive for the coronavirus um, as the season opened. So um, we knew this was going to come. It's very yeah. different uh, than playing in a, a bubble, an isolated bubble, uh, as they yeah. did uh, in the summer where there was no positive cases. Now uh, 27 already uh, and various clubs involved. Uh, 17 of those cases, all with one team in the in the Dallas Stars. Uh, but, yeah. but there have been several teams who have had to, uh, the Winnipeg Jets this morning paused their uh, postpone their training uh, out of uh, caution about mm-hmm. uh, potential uh, COVID uh, um, interactions, and and um, we're going to be seeing this, um, and 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 that's why that word nimble was was has been used. We we've, we've seen some games postponed already. It's likely to happen again, um, and uh, it's why it's so important for the players in and out of, of uh, the arenas to be to be very vigilant uh, in in their contacts. Yeah, I mean, it's this is life outside the bubble, right? And we saw it over the summer. We saw it with MLB when the NHL and NBA were setting up these bubbles to go there and they had no positive cases. The MLB went on business as usual um, or as usual as, as they could. And uh, the result was a lot of positive cases. The NFL, of course, the same story they've had positive cases they've had to postpone the nhl is is in that world now the nba as well so you're going to see these positive uh cases and you just you hope that it doesn't lead to the type of outbreaks you know you don't you just don't want to see that so um yeah they will have to be a a little bit vigilant there Uh, but rick we'll move on Um, as the 2020 2021 season is underway uh what's different well there's, there's a lot that's different, but but what in particular? Well, um, first of all, uh, the regular season hasn't started with no fans in the in the seats yeah. before. That's very different, um, you know. And there's little things, uh, no no netting uh, behind the nets. We saw that in yeah. the bubble, but for the regular season, um, we didn't see that uh, before. Um, the media in the lower bowl and uh, the media in the building are going to get a different view from than from being uh, up in the press box. Uh, they're in the lower bowl, and I I heard relating the two, uh, the the no netting. Uh, in some rinks, uh, the media are behind the net uh, because they're spreading them out in the lower bowl, and they said they have to be uh, they have to be pr- protective of their laptops uh, because there's pucks coming over the glass uh, that would have been caught by the netting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> otherwise, um, as far as 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 the games themselves, um, I think. You know, I've I've always wondered if the exhibition season mattered at all. If preseason games mattered, yeah. I think they matter. They, they I, matter. I, I think they matter. <laughs> uh, you know, we've seen some already, some not. Maybe the goaltending uh, is not up to. Uh, maybe they're a little bit behind as far as the forwards. Yeah. We saw that eight nothing blowout oh, uh, gosh, last yeah. night, Colorado over St. Louis. Um, that that a bit unexpected. Um, I think there's going to be more penalty minutes, uh, mm-hmm. just because of all of these back to backs and all the divisional games and and uh, and 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 with those those uh, 
seeing the the same opponent all the time, I think any kind of division, any kind of weaknesses are going to be able to be exploited. Um, yeah, the opposition's going to key on in on those and and uh, and exploit. You're not going to be able to hide. Um, and I think that's where uh, I think coaching is going to matter a whole yes. lot more. Um, and, and the good coaches are going to rise above, um, because of the, 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 the repetitiveness of, of meeting an opponent over and over and over again. Um, and the other thing we, we mentioned, uh, earlier is, uh, we're going to be, uh, we're going to be buried under the avalanche of, of, uh, uh, NHL transactions, the transactions yeah. going on and off the, the, the taxi squad and, and, and so on. Uh, it's it, all of that I think is going to be make for those are just some of the things that that I saw I I, I came to mind that uh, might be different about this season yeah and, and I agree and I think you're bang on about the uh, the nastiness that we might be seeing a little bit and I think we've already sort of had our that the, the hand has been tipped a little bit especially in the north division yeah uh, with the fight between Simmons and Sherratt and last night a lot of jawing between the Ottawa Senators and the Toronto Maple Leafs to close that game, uh, and Wayne Simmons was uh, very much a part of that as well. So I think that it's going to be there, especially in this North Division. I think it's going to be hotly contested, and yeah, there's there's going to be penalty minutes. Um, and by the way, Pittsburgh and Philadelphia opening up with a couple of games against <laughs> each other too. I don't think those guys needed any help to no. uh, to not like each other yeah. anymore. <laughs> exactly. But Rick, as I said, just alluded to um, the NHL. Uh, they open up the season in the states with the Penguins and the and the and the Flyers playing, and in Canada, opened up with, uh, of course, that game was on in Canada as well. But then you open up with the Leafs and the Canadians, and the NHL uh, opened the season to record TV ratings. Well, um, you know, it, it was uh, the return to play. There was some excitement about that, but it was hockey in the summer, and uh, we know we didn't get all the hockey fans back, the eyeballs yeah. on the TV sets. Uh, and it was a wonder, you know, what was going to happen with hockey starting in January? Well, uh, a, a pretty uh, uh, definitive answer, setting records uh, for viewership <laughs> right off the start. And, uh, you know, we can attest to... Uh, the kind of interactions that we've had, the the visits to allhabs.net, uh, the the downloads of our podcast, the 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 discussions on uh, the All Habs Facebook page, uh, the engagements have been way up for us. Uh, so it's not a surprise that we see hockey fans back in force uh, watching uh, their favorite teams. Absolutely. It doesn't hurt to have some rivalries to start up the season like this. So, uh, Rick, we're going to take our first break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. As we said, in segment number two, Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out of Columbus. It was confirmed by John Tortorella earlier this week. We're going to give our thoughts on that and more after this quick break. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team visit allhabs.net and click the join our team tab today 
In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. And welcome back to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Joe Whalen. You can find me on Twitter at JoeWhalen19. And with me in studio is our president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him at All Habs on Twitter. And you can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. Uh, Rick, this week, boy, oh boy, Twitter <laughs> was ablaze this uh-huh. week. And it was all because of a usual suspect in John Tortorella, who is, he keeps his answers pretty blunt. When you ask John Tortorella a question, you're going to get an honest answer. And uh, boy, oh boy, on a radio interview this week, did he ever give an honest and transparent answer when he was asked about Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, confirming that he wants out of the Columbus Blue Jackets organization. Yeah, yeah, he wants out. And uh, he, he spoke to the team. Uh, as we as we do here, he spoke to the team. It's a little bit different than Brett and and Bob, where this is a 22 year old kid. Uh, doesn't happen that often, and yeah, so uh, he has he has been honest with the group, as honest as I uh, I wish he was a little bit more honest as far as reasons why. Still haven't really gotten to that, but I think he needs to speak on that. I won't to coach him. You know, I can give you a great answer, but it's very difficult for me when a guy doesn't want to be here at such a young age and. The amount of time we've poured into him to try to develop him uh, and is just looking to go, uh, it's hard for me. I'm not sure where it goes with me as the season gets going here. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you because I am. I want to spend my time in developing the people that want to be here, uh, but I still have to coach the hockey team to be the best it can be. Uh, Luke has had a good camp, has had a good camp, but, uh, you know, it, it's a short leash with me as far as this is concerned. Uh, he needs to continue to do the things to help his team win and be his best teammate as he can be, or I'm not sure where it goes. So, uh, yeah, it's a it's a situation. It is. It's a situation, and we'll see. We'll go to it day by day. Boy, oh, boy. Um, yeah. Wow, is there a lot in there. Um, <laughs> a minute 12, and, and there's a lot to break down in there. Um, uh, you know, bluntly saying that Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out of Columbus – um, that he, as they do in, in Columbus, I guess it's a, a pretty direct uh, uh, open uh, locker room, that he spoke before the team and let the te- his teammates know that he wants out, which I find, you know, after that kind yeah. of meeting, and then what? 
<laughs> you know, and so what are we supposed to do? The, the teammates yeah. would say, um, you know, uh, Tortorella's uh, was very clear. He wanted to emphasize that this is very different. He said very different from bread and Bob, obviously being Panarin and, and Bobrovsky uh, in yeah. that in that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois is just 22 years old, um, you know, not yet to to the prime of his career. Um, and uh, that he he wants to leave Columbus, and um, and that he was honest about that point. Uh, Tortorella said he wished that he would be honest and open um, about his reasons. Um, now it's been said uh, that he's not happy with the uh, attention that he's getting in Columbus. Uh, that he feels that uh, if he were in a bigger market, Canadian market. A Montreal market, and he didn't say. Yeah, that. Uh, he, he just feels that that he would be included in in uh, the discussion more often uh, about the the league's elite players. I'm not sure he's there yet. Uh, if if he was in a in a different market, and and Tortorella said he wished he would be honest and and uh, talk about his reasons, um, but then went on to say, you know, um, I could give you a, a canned answer. A bunch of cliches about coaching him, which you're not you're not expecting from yeah. Tortorella in the first place. <laughs> I could give you a canned answer, but I won't. Um, and then he went on. He he said he didn't say it, but it was obviously very personal, very emotional yeah. to him. I've I've spent a lot of time developing this player. Now what do I what am I going to do with him? He doesn't want to be here. So why why do I want to invest any more time in him? I play him because he's going to help us win, but. If anything happens, uh, he's on a very short leash. Uh, my goodness, uh, yeah, this is this is different from situation. This is different from, uh, say, Patrick Lina. This is yeah. this is very different from other situations we've seen in the past. Yeah, and as you said, I mean, and as he alluded to, I mean, there is there doesn't seem to be that level of transparency on, with respect to the reasons why. Pierre-Luc Dubois wants out of Columbus and you know I think that John Tortorella is well within his rights to ask for those reasons I obviously maybe not share them with the media but ask for those reasons and and it doesn't seem like Pierre-Luc Dubois is interested in doing so yeah and and maybe um because uh, um it was interesting the way he phrased that that Tortorella said uh I'm not going to speak on those reasons so it yeah. sounds like he knows or has an inkling uh, he wants uh, he wants his player to come out and be honest about that. Yeah, and, and listen, it's Pierre Luc Dubois. I mean, if you look at the years that he has put together, I mean, you go back to 2017-18 as a 19-year-old, put up 48 points. The next season, 18-19, 61 points, and last season with 49 points, albeit 70 games. There's 12 more games that he could have played, racked up more points, of course. But all that is to say, I mean, you look at a guy that, of course, was the third overall pick, who's got a lot of talent, and of course is is in the position that he can help the Columbus Blue Jackets win. But this is just a bizarre situation, and 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 Tortorella is right when he says that this is a bizarre situation because you don't see this with a 22-year-old kid. Panarin and Bobrovsky were in different situations mm-hmm. where they did their service time, they got to UFA eligibility, and they went where they wanted to go. The Columbus Blue Jackets. They don't have to trade Pierre-Luc Dubois. No. They don't have to. They don't have to grant his wish here. And with that, I mean, there's other teams around the league that don't necessarily have to trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois either. 
because if he's that unhappy, he's going to leave when the time comes anyways. So why pay off any assets that you could have and keep in your organization? All that is, is hypothetical, of course. And the reality of the situation is I would think it's probably in Columbus's best interest to try to get this guy out of town because you don't want that those feelings to fester in that locker room. You don't want to leave yeah. that if he is going to be that type of of a teammate and, and listen, we don't know. Maybe he, he plays fantastic. Maybe he'll, he'll, you know, he's not happy where he is, but he'll find a way to power through it and produce and play at a high level. It doesn't seem likely given that he's a 22 year old kid asking for a trade out of town um, from the team that drafted and developed him like this. But yeah, it, it's a bizarre, bizarre situation. And to hear it confirmed, I'm not surprised that Tortorella did that because he's John Tortorella and he says what he wants and he'll be honest with you as he can be. There's no other way that he knows how to do things. But it's still really strange to see that be confirmed by somebody in the organization. Usually you just sort of brush it aside or you see teams brush it aside. But no, they were very direct. (laughs) Very. And the directness continued. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I I don't know how he feels about that. We have certainly had quite a bit of conflict in his first few years here and see, see but i but I, mean, I look at conflict differently than i think a lot of other, everybody gets all excited about arguments and and this and that what happened on the bench i think it's so healthy because then i think you have the two individuals in the middle of that being honest with one another and i think that's that's a really good thing in developing a hockey player now, Luke may not think that. You know, sometimes these players, especially today's athletes, think you're too hard on me, you're picking on me, and this and that. And, you know, you can go to our lineup, and now Michael Delzato's here. He went through it with me, and he's back for more. And uh, uh, Michael can kind of explain the whole evolution of how we go about it, at least I do, in developing people. I don't know. Maybe it's too hard for him. I don't know. I haven't been given a reason uh, why he wants to leave. He certainly hasn't said it to me that I don't want to play for you I think if that's mm-hmm. the reason he should tell me and he should really basically get in front of it and uh, and get about it here and uh, that, that's just the way I think you should do business in this stuff here right? there's no sense of people trying to figure out what's going on let's get in front of it here and get about our business and try to be the best team we can be now uh, if you're wondering that you know uh, maybe somebody's disgruntled about something and, and they say they want out and and they can patch it up and move on. There, there's no patching this. There, there's no. absolutely no patching no. this. Uh, Tortorella was, has been very direct. And I should say, this this is on a uh, Columbus radio station. It's a segment yep. called uh, Hockey and Hounds. Um, it's something that Tortorella does regularly. Uh, they talk about hockey. They talk about coaching. And they talk about dogs, rescue dogs, and it's a it's a subject that uh, Tortorella is very passionate about. Yeah. Um. So he's comfortable with these hosts, uh, and comfortable to say uh, what uh, what he's feeling. Um. But he he also knows that uh, it's going to go out. Um. He's he's very open in saying that there has been conflict between Dubois and himself. Uh, but he sees it as a good thing that, that airing, uh, you know, your feelings is, is a good thing. And then you move on. Um, he, he kind of alludes to the fact that maybe that's, uh, that's too hard for, uh, the player that, uh, you know, he talked about kind of pampered athletes. It's not the way that, that athletes like to be dealt with these days. 
but he said that's kind of his system in reference, Michael Delzato. Uh, yeah. Um, going through it once and coming back for more, as he as he said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and listen, it's you hear a lot from John Tortorella, and you know you think of all the clips, the the Brooksy and everything, and yeah, he's not he's not somebody that you think as being easy to play for the Carl Hagelin from a couple of years ago saying that he stinks on the penalty kill, all that. Those are the very, you know, um, those are, those are examples of times where John Tortorella uh, hasn't been the favorite of these athletes, but I mean, he's had great success in Columbus. It's hard to argue with what he has done there. What the success that he's he had in Tampa Bay winning Stanley cup, obviously, but yeah, he's, he's done great things in Columbus. It's 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 weird to see a guy, even though there has been that conflict, I mean, it, it's weird to see it sort of boil over in this way. Uh, but, Rick, we'll move on because, of course, he's a, a Quebec-born centerman. So he becomes available, Montreal Canadiens fans. They start connecting the dots, making their, their proposals, their trade proposals. Uh, Nick Kiprios. Just in case it, the dots hadn't been connected. Yeah, just, yeah. Just in case. Just, just in case. <laughs> just in case everyone wasn't already losing their mind, decided to throw this on everybody. Uh, This tweet, Pierre-Luc Dubois, first destination choice is the Montreal Canadiens. The Blue Jackets ask is now focused around Nick Suzuki. Plus, Romanoff has been deemed untouchable. Would you do it if you were Mark Bergevin? Um, So, yeah, he sort of dropped that on everybody and then left. And, (laughs) And everyone else decided to weigh in yes or no would you make a trade Pierre-Luc Dubois for Nick Suzuki plus picks other assets etc so yeah (laughs) we're here now so that became our question of the week the Canadians Connection podcast question of the week and uh, we posted it on uh, our All Habs uh, fan page on Facebook if you want to go there uh, type in All Habs all one word and uh, you will see the huge reaction. The question we asked was, would you make the trade with the, the Blue Jackets for Pierre-Luc Dubois if it meant sending Nick Suzuki to Columbus? We're going to get to some of those replies in the third segment, but yeah. uh, Canadians fans uh, have definite opinions about Nick Suzuki, about uh, Kakanyemi, about Romanov, and about Pierre-Luc Dubois. Yeah, and yeah, that's going to be a very interesting conversation to have. So you have, okay, so you have now Alexander Romanov being deemed untouchable, which sort of leaves the Canadians with two primary assets that you could see being the centerpieces of these packages for Pierre-Luc Dubois, Nick Suzuki, or Jesperi Kotkaniemi. Um, But Rick, before we go into our thoughts on whether or not we do that, if we were Mark Bergevin, there's there's history here, right? There's history here dating back to the 2016 NHL entry draft that Mark Bergevin has had his eye on Pierre-Luc Dubois for some time now. Yeah, I think just to put uh, to give some background and put some context around this, uh, we have to go back to that 2016 draft, uh, NHL entry draft in uh, Buffalo. We were there. Uh, we were there as we have been for at every draft. Uh, taking our contest winners, having lower bowl seats. We had a prime uh, viewing point uh, for uh, Mark Bergevin expressing uh, his interest in Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, way back then. And and just to set the context um, for that draft, before the draft, uh, Austin Matthews was the consensus number one pick yes. of the draft. Um, he went to, to Toronto 
as scripted, uh, basically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Jesse Poyarvi uh, was long regarded as the number two pick of the draft. He was expected um, to to go uh, second overall, and um, and he didn't. Um, and uh, it was it was the Winnipeg Jets taking uh, Patrick Lina over fellow Finn Poyarvi. Uh, yeah. Now, now it looks kind of well. Why would you know Pujarvi be? It, it, the the landscape has changed, and time yes. you know, obviously yeah. we see things through a different lens. But at that point, uh, the Jets were 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 making a bit of a uh, a, a surprise move in in taking uh, Patrick Lina over over uh, Pujarvi. So next up was Columbus at pick number three. The GM still GM today, Jarmo Kaikalainen, hails from Finland. Yeah. In the end, uh, once the, the dust settled, uh, in the, in the uh, uh, first five picks, three Finns were taken. None of them were taken by Finn, Jarmo Kaikalainen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so, uh, there was a bit of, there was a bit of drama. There was a bit of a soap opera. Also, let's, let's set the scene. Let's set the scene. Um, because the, uh, Mark Bergevin made a trade. We remember, um, uh, Gary Batman coming and said, we have a trade to announce. And that was when, uh, two early second round picks uh, by the Montreal Canadiens were sent to the Chicago Blackhawks for Andrew mm-hmm. Shaw. At the time, when he said we have a trade to announce, the buzz in our group uh, was PK Subban. Mm-hmm. PK Subban has been traded, and everybody yeah. was like, "Oh my God, PK Subban has been traded." Now, listen. They say that 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 there has been n- never been an information leak. Uh, by the Canadians about Bergevin making a trade. That that's one of those Montreal urban legends because everyone knew that Bergevin was desperately trying to trade PK Subban at the draft. Yeah. It was well known. Every media availability, he got asked about it. And at one point he said, Listen, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. PK Subban's <laughs> going to be with the Canadian he a long time. And of course he wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um he was traded a few days uh, a few days later. But Mark Bergevin was desperately trying to make a trade. Uh, it, it, you could feel the atmosphere in the arena. And, and we know now that Mark Bergevin had a trade to move up from the draft. The Canadians had the ninth pick where they took Sergachev. Uh, they were trying to move up to number four. And they had a trade in place, it is said, with Peter Shirelli of, of Edmonton. And because what was supposed to happen is... Matthews one, Bolyarvi second, um, maybe Lina third, uh, yeah. and that uh, that the Canadians would jump up with a trade, maybe involving Subban. We don't know. Um, that they would jump up and take Pierre Luc Dubois. Mm-hmm. Now, on the draft floor, Mark Bergevin, Yarmo Kaikalainen. They got together in, in in those first few picks before Columbus picked. They got together uh, twice, mm-hmm. and um, it got very passionate. It got very very heated, passionate. There was drama going on there. 
uh, <laughs> obviously drama. Yeah. Now, after uh, Yarmo picked, uh, which, uh, you know, I, I'm reading the, the Sportsnet uh, um, uh, headline, Blue Jackets deliver draft's first shocker in picking uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois. It was a shock uh, for, yeah. for them to pick and not pick uh, one of the Finns. Um, that that uh, Yarmo was interviewed, and, and it's interesting. He said, everybody keeps assuming, because I'm Finn, everybody keeps asking me the same question. For me... The, it's the excitement of picking the best possible player for the Blue Jackets that counts. Yet you knew what was happening. You knew the discussion. You knew that Mark Bergevin was going out there and saying, okay, here's how it's going to go. This is the playbook. Toronto's going to pick here. You're going you're to pick the Finn. I'm yeah. going to make the trade with Edmonton. I'm going to get the... Because you know what? Um, this uh, Birthright matters. You're going to pick the Finn. Yeah. I'm going to pick the, the, the kid from Quebec. Uh, that's the way things go. That's the way it operates. And, and kind of, the 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 Columbus GM said no. Um, it's and he was asked, uh, you know, when you, are you going to be roasted when you go home to Finland after picking a Canadian, uh, after picking a Quebecer? And he <laughs> said, no, it doesn't bother me one bit. Um, I'm just going to go when I go to Finland. I'll go to my cottage and nobody will find me. I, I'm just here to <laughs> I'm just here to do what's to pick the best player. Not, yeah. not, not to please anybody else. Um, so this has been something that has brewing, been brewing for a very long time. And as you say, Bergevin has had his, uh, his sights uh, right on Dubois because he is that Francophone center uh, mm -hmm. that the Canadians have been salivating for for decades. Yeah. So that leads to the question, because as you said in that, and that was ex very well explained and a great uh, history lesson to give us the context necessary to have this discussion, because as you alluded to, P.K. Subban was dealt shortly thereafter in that on that draft day 2016. Shortly thereafter, he was dealt in a mammoth trade for Shea Weber. So we know that Mark Bergevin is not afraid of making a big move. So the question now becomes, should the Canadians trade Nick Suzuki plus pieces, draft picks, prospects, for Pierre-Luc Dubois? And if they don't, should, it, should they consider Jesperi Kotkaniemi? He was also taken in the third overall spot two years after Pierre-Luc Dubois. This is all a very interesting question, right? And <laughs> for me, I think... For Nick Suzuki to be traded at this point in time, for Jesperi Kotkaniemi to be traded at this point in time, you're just now starting to reap the benefits of drafting and trading for, you know, a couple young centermen, getting some guys that can play center ice. To trade them now would feel a little bit, even though you're getting Pierre-Luc Dubois, who I acknowledge is a supremely talented player and would step into the Montreal Canadiens lineup and likely be the number one centerman, it would just be a little bit disheartening after all of this. You've you've worked and you've developed these guys. And to trade them at this point in time, even if you're getting back a guy like Pierre-Luc Dubois, because you also have to account for the fact you're giving up pieces beyond those two guys who are already very much a part of your team, big parts of your team. So that's something that I think needs to be considered. But of course, listen, I think 
at the end of the day, Pierre-Luc Dubois coming to the Montreal Canadiens overshadows basically everything else involved if you make that trade. There's going to be some trepidation, and we'll get to it with the question of the week. There's trepidation about the the prospect of trading Nick Suzuki or Jesperi Kutkaniemi in a package for Pierre-Luc Dubois. But I feel like if it were to come to pass, that would all sort of evaporate when you get Pierre-Luc Dubois in a Canadian's uniform. I'm not saying that it would be it would be something that goes over tremendously well. I think there'd be aspects, there'd be portions of the Canadian's fan base that would look at Nick Suzuki and follow him the rest of his career, or Jesperi Kotkaniemi, <laughs> and they'd follow the rest of his career just to see how he turns out. And if he turns out better than Pierre-Luc Dubois currently is, then then I think that you're you're kind of... You know, you're in rocky territory there, but I think that at the end of the day, if they do make this deal and if they get to the point where Mark Bergevin is comfortable making this deal, um, that Pierre-Luc Dubois coming in, the excitement that surrounds that will sort of hang over it, will overshadow everything else. At least the, that's the way that I look at it. But yeah, it's it's a it's a difficult question to answer. <laughs> well, this um, this scares me half to death. Um, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I'm gonna, I'm gonna take uh, Nick Suzuki off the table. I'm gonna take Alexander Romanov off the table. I, I'm, I'm, and and I'm assuming, you know, back in an interview in September, I believe it was, um, uh, Mark Bergevin said those kind of prospects are, are he wasn't interested in in uh, yeah. in trading now. Uh, that was before Pierre Luc Dubois came available, but but yeah. let's 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 hope that Suzuki and Romanoff are off the table. Um, the the what what bothers me uh, here is and 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 listen, as you said, there's lots to like appear about Pierre Luc Dubois. There's uh, there's skill, there's size. He's he's willing to play physically. Um, there's there's a lot there to like, um, but. Mark Bergevin's infatuation um, yes. with him goes back uh, a long time. And, and that's where I worry that he's not going to make a, a necessarily a, f- a full hockey decision here. Yeah. Um, you know, we saw that same, uh, that same infatuation with Jonathan Drouin when mm-hmm. uh, he traded uh, Mikhail Sergachev. And that trade has been a disaster. But yeah. right at the beginning, we saw we saw Drouin uh, was announced as the center that the Canadians had coveted for so many years. Uh, he was photographed in a in a jersey, uh, you know, with the um, um, the bridges in the back, all the the iconic yeah. spots in Montreal, and and he was going to turn this this organization around, and and it hasn't happened. Uh, as I said, the trade's been a failure in this case. You have um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, and let's let's deal with Kotkaniemi. Um, Pierre-Luc Dubois, skilled, physically, physical. Um, we started seeing that Jesperi Kotkaniemi has some physicality yeah. to his game. Uh, he's not the same size yet, uh, but he's he's uh, you know Pierre-Luc Dubois is two years uh, further in his development yeah. path. Um, and let's acknowledge that Kakinemi was rushed in the first year of his. Um, mm-hmm. So, is it possible uh, that that uh, if uh, they're patient, that Kakinemi can can have the same impact as uh, Pierre Luc Dubois? 
Um, and the, the benefit with both Suzuki, with Suzuki, with Romanov, with Kakanyemi, is cost control. And the Canadians yeah. are going to need cost cost control because already they're in there. There's going to be there is cap issues. Um, so develop your own players and and uh, and reap the benefits under that cost control. You know, do do I make that trade? Do I give uh, Kakinemi and other pieces, whether they be draft choices or prospects, uh, to uh, to bring in Dubois? I I don't think I would at this point mm, yeah I, I'm not sure that I do either to be honest because yeah it is a lot to give up and you've just now started to see the benefit of acquiring these young centermen via trade in Suzuki's case and, and through the draft for Kotkaniemi uh, the other thing that I think is worth pointing out here is that if you are a team that is trying to trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois I, there's a significant, I think, a red flag that's being raised by the fact that he's a 22-year-old that's asking out for the way the way that he is right now, right? Like, I don't, I, we don't know any of the reasons why because he won't get into them. Uh, but yeah, like it's it's bizarre to see a 22-year-old kid go this avenue, and I don't know if and and we were talking about this before the show. He did get he had an availability uh, this week. He was solemn basically the entire time. Yeah except for one question it was a french question and he lit up like a christmas tree he was the happiest camper there because he got the french question and you listen maybe you don't worry about the reasons why he wants out of columbus and how that looks for a 22 year old to be asking this the way that he is maybe you don't worry about that if he comes to montreal because it might be where he wants to be but there's, yeah, I think that there's concerns about, obviously, the cap, because there would need to be money that would be moved out, because it can't simply just That's be right. Kotkaniemi or Suzuki. They'll need to take on a contract, uh, a sizable contract, because Dubois just signed that two-year extension worth $10 million, uh, five annually. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be, there'd be a lot of, of balls in the air if this were ever to come to pass. Uh, but yeah, it's it, we'll get to some of the the responses uh, to the question of the week in the third segment, asking uh, asking our listeners if they would make this trade. And I just that's a, a very uh, good point you made. Um, is um, are you creating now? Maybe all that disappears when he comes to Montreal if it's his preferred yeah. destination. But are you creating a prima donna in that yeah. you are rewarding? Uh, a player who really has no leverage in this situation. No. Are you no. Re rewarding him uh, with bad behavior, uh, rewarding his bad behavior, and is that then going to embolden him, or or yep. does all of that all that disappear when when he reaches his goal? Um, that's a very good question. We have no way of of predicting yep. that. No. Uh, but it should be a concern. It should be a red flag, as as you correctly said. Yeah, and, and just while we're on the subject of the Columbus Blue Jackets, by the way, I just wanted to point this out, and we were talking about this before the show. Uh, when Max Domi showed up to Columbus, he was raving about John Tortorella, raving about the <laughs> locker room, uh, in, in a way that would suggest that he's just trying to make some backhanded, you know, those, those backhanded compliments, you know, throwing some shots at the Montreal Canadiens, as you'd expect Max Domi to do. Uh, by the way, last night, Max Domi, uh, he had the third lowest time on ice of a forward, I believe it was, for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Didn't play the last five minutes. 
So I see that the working, you know, oh, John Torella is one of the best coaches I've ever had. He's the kind of coach you want to play for. The communication's there. I see that it's uh, at least it's one game. It's one game. I'll say that. Uh, it doesn't seem to be panning out uh, quite the way that Max Domi thought it would. Um, so, Rick, with that said, we'll take our final break here on the Canadians Connection podcast. When we come back, we have the question of the week, as we've been talking about in the second segment. Would you make the trade with the Columbus Blue Jackets for Pierre-Luc Dubois if it meant sending Nick Suzuki to Columbus? We'll get to the answers to that and more in the third segment. Stay with us here on the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag showyourhabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to showyourhabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. A proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. And welcome back to episode 119 of the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow at Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. So, Rick, uh, we had our fantasy hockey draft this week. We did. A little bit later. A little bit later than we usually have it. Uh, (laughs) Given the fact the season uh, beginning in January this year, it's strange to do a fantasy hockey draft in January, but... Uh, we had our draft. It was uh, it was good fun. Got a good group back again. Uh, <laughs> a bit of trash this talk. Year. Yeah. Lots of trash talk. Lots yeah. of trash talk. Uh, some some underhanded tactics to try to oh. make me late for the draft. From I didn't from... know anything about that. <laughs> no, no, no. But it was it was all in good fun, and everyone showed up on time. Everyone got the players uh, they wanted for the most part. Of course, it's you're not going to get everyone you want, but. It was it was it was it was good. It was good. I got some I got some good pieces. Um, got Nate McKinnon who who had a solid night for me last night. 
um, you know, I, I managed to snag a couple of Montreal Canadians as well. Josh Anderson had a great night for me. Yeah. Uh, my concern, my concern lies between the pipes uh, where I have uh, Freddie Anderson. Uh, and uh, boy, oh boy, um, he let me down in the last <laughs> couple of games. I have to be honest. Uh, there was those those save percentage and goals against average stats. Uh they, listen, I have Jonas Corposalo and, and Robin Lehner, and they've been doing well. They did well in their games. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's it's the goalie stats have ballooned in a way that I'm not quite uh, not quite happy with because of those Frederick Anderson starts. But, uh, but Rick, how did you – how do you think of – what do you think of your team? Well, it was, it, first of all, it was it was a fun draft. And, yeah. and uh, we have uh, all Habs uh, – this, this is a league that's been in operation about – 11 years, 12 years, no. uh, wow. longstanding league. Many of the owners, uh, managers have been there, uh, a, a good portion of the time. Um, some, the, the, the entire time, uh, a lot of our writers are, are contributors in there. Sammy's in there for the first time. He does the game previews. Uh, he's in there for the first time this year. Uh, Mike Raschel, uh, Brian, our commissioner, um, yourself, Amy Johnson, um, and myself. And, and it's, uh, it's competitive, uh, as the way it should be, uh, it's active. Uh, so yeah. it's a, it's a great fantasy hockey league. And for the first time ever, I play fantasy football in the all Habs league and fantasy hockey in the all Habs league. And for the first time ever, 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 I had the first pick overall. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah you did too. Yeah. Didn't you? Yeah. yeah. Which was, uh, which was amazing. And, um, you know, uh, I had some choices. Nathan McKinnon might have been a good one. Uh, Leon Dreisaitl might have been a good one. But this was my first and only opportunity to ever draft uh, Connor McDavid, and I couldn't pass it up. And yeah. uh, he rewarded me right away uh, with yeah. a pretty good stat line there uh, in the, in his second game. So, yeah, I, I was uh, happy with that. Um, uh, John Carlson uh, on defense. Um uh, this one was for Trevor Timmons. I took Samuel uh, Girard uh, mm-hmm. because Timmons would have, uh, had he had that second round pick in his pocket, would have taken Girard uh, from Colorado. So I, I drafted for him. And the very last pick overall, the last pick in the draft, first my first pick and the first pick in the draft was uh, McDavid. The last pick in the draft was none other than Alexander Romanov, and uh, ah. and I got the assist uh, got tallied up in in uh, yeah, and so um, listen, this is going to be a um, a fun uh, draft. We'll probably report on it occasionally. We'll bring in yeah. uh, fellow competitors uh, to talk about it. I have a very <laughs> modest seven three lead going into uh, the mm-hmm. weekend, the Saturday and, and Sunday's games. So uh, we'll see how this turns out. We should mention last year. The season kind of ended abruptly, uh, yeah. but that shouldn't take away from our commissioner, uh, Brian, um, BZ05 on Twitter, um, uh, winning, uh, winning the championship. Yeah. And the year before, I, I, the year before, I just don't remember who won the oh, championship. Yeah. I, oh. I don't have any clear memory of, of who might have won. Oh, okay. Um, That's strange. Yeah. I think, I think it might've been me. I think it's, really? I think, I think it was me. I'm, I'm pretty sure it was me. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think I won in I my see. first year playing fantasy sports was it disputed? at all. Uh, no, it was actually quite handily. I won. I see. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to go for two and three years. I don't know if I have quite the squad to pull that off, but, uh, we shall see 
uh, as with everything else. But Rick, uh, before we go, we'll get some answers to the question of the week with one, which once, once again, excuse me, uh, would you make the trade with the Columbus Blue Jackets for Pierre-Luc Dubois if it meant Nick Suzuki going back the other way to Columbus? Boy, uh, go to the All Habs uh, fan page uh, on Facebook. Uh, that's All Habs, all one word. Um, and find the post about Pierre-Luc Dubois um, wanting to leave. Uh, and uh, we have tens of thousands of engagements. Of course, there's 45,000 uh, fans in the neighborhood of 45,000 fans, uh, Canadians fans who... Uh, uh, participate, um, and we have uh, hundreds and hundreds of comments. Um, uh, Lonnie Schwartz, who I know, uh, Lonnie used to come out to our hockey parties, uh, and a and a fellow goalie. Um, he started it off uh, s- seconds after I posted this, and Lonnie says uh, Suzuki stays. That kid looks like he's going to be very special, and he's got 108 likes on that. Uh, that post so I think that's the clear uh, maybe majority opinion Um, the the other uh, I I think people would like um, Suzuki to stay there they would like Romanov to stay Uh, there's quite a few people who wouldn't mind putting together a package including Kotkaniemi uh, which, uh, because uh, Rodney Barrett says Pierre-Luc Dubois is exactly what the Habs need um, but not if Suzuki goes the other way. And um, so uh, there's there's a lot that would be willing to make that trade. Um, Gordon Toole says, you know what? It may make up for trading first rounder to Bolts for Duran. The mm. other theme throughout is trading Duran. Uh, Duran yeah. comes up in, in a vast majority of the posts. And you said that, that money would have to go out. Um, it's it's funny that 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 amount of money is there in it's, in yeah. Duran's contract. <laughs> However, I don't know other than being pals with uh, Max Domi. I don't know how uh, that fits into the, uh, yeah. the Columbus plan. Uh, they're looking for a center, uh, and they want they don't want somebody who's uh, you know uh, uh, going to be a project. They want somebody to insert yeah. in their lineup right now. Um, so lots and lots and lots of reaction, lots of passion on the page. There's been mm-hmm. some, uh, disagreements. Uh, there was one bizarre comment. Uh, I don't even understand <laughs> that said trade Subban. Uh, I don't know if they think that, that, uh, PK Subban, um, is still with the team or whether they think that somehow it would be a three team trade to bring Subban back. I don't, I don't know what it was uh, yeah. about, I'm, yeah. <laughs> um, but, um, uh, there's yeah. a lot of reaction on the, the all Habs fan page on Facebook. Well, it's, it's good to see that type of engagement for sure. And it's, it's certainly a, a question that, yeah, it should get Habs fans, uh, fired up a little bit. The prospect of them being involved in, in, you know, this type of big fish that's available via trade. Um, it's, it's a very exciting period of time, but yeah, it's, it's easy to get swept up in that excitement. You have to sort of realize that, uh, yeah, to get him, you're going to have to give up something pretty good. And, uh, whether or not you believe Nick Suzuki, Yasperi Kutkaniemi or Alexander Romanov should be traded, uh, that's a bit of a, that's a tough one. That's a tough one there. But Rick, uh, we should say that the Montreal Canadiens get back in action tonight against the Edmonton Oilers. 
Uh, 7 Eastern, 8.30, even though the game, 8.30 Newfoundland time, excuse me, uh, <laughs> even though the game is in Alberta, which was a weird one for me. I thought it was going to be the late game, but no, they get it, 7 Eastern. Uh, then they follow that up on a Monday night again against the Oilers. So a two-game set against the Oilers, then a three-game set against the Canucks later on. I love it. It's like baseball. You play series against teams. I love yeah. it. <laughs> so it's going to be, uh, yeah, you're going to be quite familiar with the Edmonton Oilers and the Vancouver Canucks by the time this next week is out. Uh, so, Rick, it's going to be a very interesting game tonight against uh, the, the Connor McDavid and Leon Draisaitl led Oilers. And uh, Alexander uh, Romanov will get his wish. He will have a yeah. challenge facing uh, two of the top forwards in the NHL, and we'll see him um, not only once but twice have, have the opportunity to go up against them. And then uh, Vancouver, um, um, the series with them, it's, it's going to be fun. We'll have a lot to talk about uh, next week. Um, on, uh, we'll be right back here. Um, and we're, we're, we're excited to talk to you. And we're always happy to get your comments, whether it be on Facebook, whether it be on Twitter, uh, whether it be emails, whether it be text to our Rocket Sports uh, text line, 5853-ROCKET. Um, and uh, we got a ton this week. Uh, I'm just going to read this one because it relates to what we talked about a bit earlier. Earlier, uh, Losing Noah Juleson uh, on waivers uh, snapped up by the Florida Panthers. And this comes from our dear friend uh, Dino. Um, he says, uh, hello, my friends. You know what? I can't get this one off of my mind. And he's talking about uh, Noah being lost on waivers. Like so many others in recent past, he was a steal for us in the draft. Trevor Timmons was beaming when we got him, and that's absolutely true. No way uh, did he think that Noah would be, still be available at that point of the draft. It, this one breaks my heart and my spirit. Um, uh, this is a kid who is destined to put on our sacred jersey. He wasn't protected, not given the chance uh, to prove the scouts right or and, and correct. Things like this shouldn't happen. Quite upset. Um, and, uh, and I must say that, uh, that I, I agree. Uh, Noah Juleson, um, I, I just, I just hope he gets his career on track yeah. wherever it is, uh, whether it be with the Panthers, uh, or elsewhere. He's a good kid. He's talented. Um, got a bit, uh, derailed there and, uh, yeah. and, uh, we just wish, uh, the very best for him. And thank you. Thank you for the, the email. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll read some more uh, reactions uh, in our show next Saturday. Yeah, and I should say that we also got a, uh, a message on Facebook about Corey Perry from uh, from uh, Charlie Gendon. We'll, we'll touch on that a little bit. He's saying, why did they not put Perry in the lineup? And, I mean, listen, it couldn't hurt to have some guys uh, in front of the net uh, picking up some garbage. So thank you, Charlie, for that message, and uh, we appreciate that. As always, with everyone that reaches out, including Dino, our, our, our dear friend Dino as well. Uh, so, Rick, as you said, we'll be back next week discussing all things Montreal Canadiens and after two games against the Edmonton Oilers and two games against the Vancouver Canucks. We'll be back next week to tee up another game against the Vancouver Canucks that night. Uh, so it's going to be a very interesting week, and we're excited to be back discussing actual regular season hockey. So thank you for tuning in to the Canadians Connection podcast here on Rocket Sports Radio. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens.